Our gospel this morning begs some context. At first glance, it seems as though Jesus was simply visiting the temple. But if you read the previous passages, you will see that Jesus did not just stroll into the temple that day as though it were a normal everyday event. It was far more dramatic than that. The previous passages show us that the day before had been the triumphal entry when Jesus had ridden into Jerusalem to shouts of Hosanna and the waving of the palms. The triumphal entry is the day that we celebrate as Palm Sunday. After that celebrated entrance, Jesus went to the temple. He did not go to the temple to pray that day. He did not go to the temple to preach. He went to the temple to destroy and confront evil. The temple, you see, had been profiting off the people and oppressing the poor. They were requiring folk to pay exorbitant prices for sacrificial animals there in the temple yard. No one could bring their own lamb or calf as they used to be able to do, but were told that in order for God to accept their sacrifice and their sacrifice that they needed for forgiveness and salvation, they felt, the sacrifice that they needed for their family to, to be healed, they thought, they needed to purchase one at a ridiculous price that profited the temple. The priests lined their pockets with the hard-earned money of the faithful. Not only that, but the temple in Jerusalem under Roman occupation had very close ties with the Romans. The priests benefited from this while giving kickbacks to Rome. The temple acted in concert with the occupiers to control the people. The temple at the time of Roman occupied Jerusalem was not about the people and most certainly was not about God. The temple was a place for political power used to oppress the people. The temple was a place of manipulation and greed. The temple was used to benefit the few and use the many. Everything about the temple at that time was antithetical to Jesus' ministry, and Jesus was not having it. He came into Jerusalem with a triumphal entry knowing what he was coming into Jerusalem to do, and that was to die. And Jesus had no more cares to give. He was finished with the hypocrisy and the abuse. He was done with the rich profiting off the piety of the poor. He knew it was time to stop being vague and to get specific about the kind of evil that he came to destroy. And he was angry. So he went into the temple. He threw over tables. He vandalized and destroyed it. He broke things on purpose to show that people are more important than things. That sometimes it takes a disruption of business as usual, a violent disruption to bring equity, awareness, and change. After he vandalized and disrupted the business of manipulation, greed, and oppression, he took time to heal the people who had come to the temple to find God. These people who came and journeyed so far with all kinds of personal griefs, with hurt and pain, 
that were being manipulated and used, Jesus ministered to them. That Jesus is the man that walked into the temple the next day where we find our passage this morning. And he was questioned about his authority to preach and heal. It was a man who had occupied the temple by force. It was a man who had gotten right into the face of evil and spat into it. It was a man who was not afraid to break things if they were hurting people. The priests were rightfully afraid of him. They hemmed and hawed a lot about his, the answers to his questions, right? He had the masses who had been used and manipulated for so long on his side. He had the power of someone who was motivated by others and not himself. That kind of power is terrifying to those whose true north is greed and selfishness. He had the power of the love of God. This is the place where he declared that his, his authority is from heaven. This is the place where he called out the hypocrisy of the religious institutions of the day. This is the place where he called out an unjust government that did not protect the needs of the marginalized. It changes the story, doesn't it? It makes it a lot more dramatic. The church at the time had very long spoken a very good game. They said the right orthodox thing. They created rules and boundaries and they had it all painted with a veneer of holiness. They affiliated themselves with the powers of the controlling government and their hearts were not focused on serving others. Their hearts were focused on their own political and financial gain. They said all the right things, but their actions betrayed them. Jesus told this parable of the two sons to speak to the hypocrisy. There was the son who told the father that he would go out and work, and yet did not. And then there was the son who said he would not go out and work, and yet went out and did the work. It's so interesting that the religious authority were still blind even after hearing that story, because Jesus said, which one did the will of the father? And they said, the first. Well, the first is the one that just said he was going to go, but didn't. What we say, Jesus taught, does not mean anything without what we do. What is most important in this, not, in this life is not our philosophies, not our opinions, not our mission statements, not our revisionist history, not our patriotism, not even necessarily our statements of faith. What is most important is what we actually do. I know many people who actively say they do not believe in God and yet their lives are lived in service to others and I know it pleases God. I know many people who claim to have the exclusive corner on right belief and it's a very narrow little corner whose actions display the opposite. Jesus took his teaching about actions over and over words even farther that day as Jesus loved to do. He liked to go to the very edge and then just push it one step farther, saying that tax collectors and prostitutes 
the lowest of the low, as far as anyone in the community was concerned, would enter the kingdom of God before the religious authority because they do the work of faith in God, not speak to it. Because their actions glorified God. We confirmed three people today. In this process, we welcome and affirm them and their faith, giftings, and prophetic voice in our midst. We do not welcome them to regurgitate what we have taught them. We do not welcome them to parrot or spew orthodoxy. We do not welcome them to create continuity or sameness. We welcome their unique and diverse gifts so that they can stoke the fires of the Spirit in us and in the world. We welcome their futures that are uncertain and exciting and outside of our control. We welcome their new inspirations from God and trust that their actions will proclaim the gospel more than words ever could. We set them free to be themselves here in this community and wherever their journeys take them. And we pray that the fact that they are watching us be the body of Christ will remind us of how much more important it is that our actions proclaim God's love. Whether we want, <clears throat> want them to do what we say or do what we do, they will do what we do, church. So we must proclaim God's love with our lives. These confirmands are our legacy and our future. We get to trust the love of God embedded in them. And we get to be reminded today that we can trust the love of God embedded in us too. Beloved of God, what we say does not matter if our actions do not back it up. What we say we believe is hollow and useless and a lie if it is not supported by our lives, if it is not supported by the justice that we do, the love we share, and the peace that we live. May we lead the way with our actions. May we affiliate with service and mercy and equality rather than the power of domination and success. May we have the courage to stand in the face of evil against unjust systems and offer healing to beloved children of God. May we have the audacity to follow Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together the hymn of the day, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.